History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode, episode 40, Ecology in NATO Once Upon a Time. So if you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, or else there's going to be some spoilers ahead. I don't like those yellow bics. They're really scratchy, aren't they? The clear ones are okay, but the yellow, the yellow shafted ones are horrible. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict. My name is Ryan Weir and I am, as always, here in the HHE studio with the Wookiee to my solo. It's it's <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Peter Goddard. I'd really love to be able to do the Wookiee noise now, but uh, sadly I cannot do Come that, on, so give I'm going to give you a... I was, I was really hoping you'd give it a it's go. It's going to sound like a man dragging a chair across the floor. Please. <laughs> that was remarkably like a chair being dragged across the floor. But we are not alone, because he is HHE's dabblingly debonair daddy. (laughs) It's Judge Dursley. Are you sitting comfortably? Is your wig powdered? Is your cloak freshly laundered? Yes, uh, it is sufficiently pomaded. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. I'm going on a, on a plane. You'll be pleased to know that I have gone as basic economy as you can get. Basically, they've put given me a soapbox to sit on. <laughs> Bring your own orange crate. <laughs> You're in steerage, essentially. I am. You know the film Titanic? Yes. Are you an Irish man dancing to the violin in yes. the bowels of the aeroplane? <laughs> With my basic economy ticket, I'm entitled to not pick a seat, not take any luggage, and uh, board the plane last. (laughs) 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 Which does feel like I'm being paraded. So it is a walk of shame, isn't it? You need to have a placard around your neck. Yeah, ring a little bell. Poor person coming through. (laughs) I also get the slops from their food that are scraped off the remains of the trays. Chicken or beef? Well, we don't know what's left yet. (laughs) You never never fancy being a pilot? I can't be a pilot. Not with that attitude. (laughs) His refusal to see certain colours. Exactly. I can't help it. I have long aspired to have someone meet me at the airport with my name on a piece of paper, and it's never happened in my life. I organised it for myself once, and they didn't show up. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, before there are planes, there was NATO. Okay. That's not strictly true, but... No, let's just let me have the segue. Uh, (laughs) The segue. (laughs) But I don't remember anything about the episode, Pete. So I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, to step up to the microphone and give us all, in your loudest voice, a one-minute summary. Why don't you start now? Once upon a 
Another time, there was a podcast where we took a look at the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO. This is a military mutual support group that started as a handful of countries allied against a possible Russian or German attack, which evolved into the western side of an ongoing Cold War, then evolved again into a broad coalition of countries prepared to help one another against a wide range of military, terrorist, environmental, and other threats. We learned about SHAPE, the operational military framework at the heart of NATO, and the agreements that help it survive, including standardization, so everyone uses the same type of fuel and bullets to ease logistics, and the agreements that govern the location and rules that apply to NATO troops when stationed in other countries. We also learned how NATO countries train together, looking at Trident Juncture 18, a large exercise moving 50,000 troops and loads of kit around Norway, in response to an invasion by a fictional country that definitely wasn't Russia. We also saw how exercises can go wrong, particularly in Able Archer 83, a simulated escalation to nuclear launch that was so realistic that watching Soviet Union became convinced they were going to launch for real and started to mobilise their own nuclear arsenal in preparation, resulting in one of the closest brushes the world has had with nuclear war since the Cuban Missile Crisis. But Coolhead prevailed, the crisis passed and as they say in the stories we all lived happily ever after that was last week's episode done summarised nicely nice one son now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me he'll take you apart without any care he's the lovely Paul Dursley the lovely Paul Dursley Very good. Thank you very much, Peter. I, it's all flooded back now. I remember it all. Every single joyous moment. Mm. Judge Dursley. Yes. First thoughts? Two out of three isn't bad of the categories. <laughs> ah, okay, well, let's go through them. So first category was ecology. You, you can do the family fortunes thing. Uh, uh. Oh, <laughs> did I hit it straight away? No yes, ecology. We did, we did discuss the risk I was taking by not having a very direct ecological perspective. Um, but I stand by my behaviours. I show no remorse, Your Honour. Noted. <laughs> Judge Dursley, what would you have preferred? Is there a, a, anything in particular you would have liked him to have focused on with specific to ecology? Is anything NATO doing helping ecology? I don't know. Are they sinking some of their unused battleships and turning them into reefs for coral to grow on? So there, there was almost a very different podcast about exactly that, the impact of NATO activity on the environment particularly and the um trident juncture exercise that we had had some negative environmental impact not least for one of the norwegian frigates that crashed and sank on its way home but uh the nato also has quite big programs of which would have an environmental impact about energy saving and use of solar power because of course fuel and energy are really important to running a military machine and you know self-interestedly and the need to not chuck a load of fuel around an area and instead just to throw up a, a solar umbrella would be excellent. So they do invest in that kind of technology as well. Okay, pity you didn't mention it in the episode. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> you nearly had two whole podcasts was the problem, so I had to pick one, essentially. Okay, so that was the first one. And once upon a time, I'll grant you that. Yeah, I thought that was that was a really neat use of Once Upon a Time because I was wondering how you were going to fit that in. I thought it was just going to be just a storytelling. <laughs> you were going to tell me a story or something, but actually, no. I I like the fact that um, how was it described? It was like a so it's, it's the non-specific, distanced way of. T- learning things about the real world through yeah. fiction. Ways of learning about the real world through fiction. That was it. Yeah, I think that was that was really neat to then tie that to. NATO exercises. Ah, uh, yes, I did. I did wonder. I did wonder where it was going, and then you were talking about the Russia invading Norway exercise. Definitely not Russia. 
Definitely <laughs> not Russia. NATO. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think NATO cares. They know it was Russia. Can I ask you, uh, Judge Dursley, when you hear the words once upon a time, what story do you most think of? Probably Cinderella. It's a definite fairy story thing, isn't it? I would say um, something yes. like Snow White. Snow not White, not yeah. so much of, okay, yes, there is a moralistic cast to all of them and teaching children that good will always out over evil. I think a lot of them are pretty horrible, though, like, and have more of a do what you're told, behave yourself and don't ask too many questions kind of a message, don't they? Especially in their original, usually more gruesome incarnations. Yes. So, yeah, there, there has been a lot of sanitization, shall we say. What's your thoughts on, on Once Upon a Time as a, as a concept? Do you see it as a powerful storytelling technique? It's a trope, isn't it? Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, you, you could say in the past, a long time ago, there used to be... It's, it's a bit of a cliché, but... I think the, as you get older, you're, the things you want to interact with in terms of, sort of fiction and the creative arts are more about understanding other people, I guess. I think you've learned that the, 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 there's an abstraction to these once upon a time type stories, which are sort of your basic moral lessons, which are more like your sort of foundation of life. Um, but I guess there's no reason why you would stop. But it seems to be a thing, doesn't it, that it's a children's... It keeps, in my mind, it's it, 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 sorry, sorry for length. sort of going on, but it is a cliche, though, isn't it? And, you know, it's all avoid using cliches. Well, I, I, was, I was struck by how global it was. That, that really all across the world there was some form of words that was basically a long time ago or a long way away, you know, somewhere in a place. So as an abstract form for a child, though, isn't that about distancing that child or not letting them get too connected to the story, right? You're able to learn the moral message because these things happened a long time ago, very far away, so you're safe. But let me tell you that story anyway. Whereas if you were like, this happened next door and it was only last night that someone was murdered. Yeah, I think you can focus on the story if you're not like, well, whereabouts? Well, oh, was it in the north? Oh, which town was it? Was it, who was it? You know, you don't then get bogged down in all the specifics of, oh, but did they have what kind of car was it? Because it's once upon a time, it's a fabricated thing, so you're not getting distracted by, well, where exactly? Who exactly? It's a, it's a fuzziness filter, isn't it? Fuzziness filter. It takes away all of that, as you were saying, uh, of the annoying questions that children ask, like why and how or whatever, as you say, it can be obfuscated by, well, it was a long time ago and things were different then. A wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> the go-to explanation in most uh, children's interactions that I have. Why is that the case? Magic, wizards. <laughs> and it was all a dream. Okay, and so the final the final piece of the puzzle, so that's that's once upon a time and ecology. So the third part was NATO. How well covered was NATO? Oh, we got rather a lot of that. How much did you know about what, what was said? Was anything new to you? Not really, no. Do you? Okay, so why are you so familiar with NATO? Just personal interest or you just follow the news? You have a subscription to Jane's Fighting Ship. <laughs> well, it's uh, a subject of interest, isn't it? The military power... Uh, politics, it's, it's all involved with it. And history as well, having a general interest in history. There are sort of two types of history, aren't there? There's the proper history, which is the history of warfare and all of that. And then there's the Ponzi history that I had to do for O-Level, which is the repeal of the Corn Laws, which makes proper history even more interesting. 
I suspect you like your uh, history with a general atop a horse. Yes, Copenhagen, Moringo, Bucephalus. So, Paul, tell me, what information was missing? What do you think that would have been good for Peter to have mentioned during the episode? Oh, what was missing? It was quite a comprehensive run-through of NATO. The Norwegian exercise was new. I knew about Abel Ocha. I didn't know that they had an anthem which sounded like the Salvation Army playing a Christmas jingle in a shopping centre. <laughs> it, it did was, sound like Christmas, didn't it? it unexpectedly non-martial, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, possibly by design, but it wasn't even that. It was just so bland. and It was relatively recent, wasn't it? He might still be alive. I hope he's not listening. Sorry, <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> Don't annoy NATO. I think it's a point, though, isn't it? I think it's it was deliberately chosen for that reason, right? They don't want to be like with a with a fighting organisation, right? This, they're a we're defensive a defense organisation. We're not in it for the fighting. So, well, the corollary of that is, of course, Beethoven's Ninth for the European Union. Oh, is that what they use? The the, the last movement, yes, the choral movement, Ode right. to Joy. I'm not sure I know that one. Can you give us a few bars, Paul? No, you know it perfectly well. I'm sure I'm sure it's out of copyright. Come on, slide up to your harpsichord, bang us out a, a little bit of ode to joy. Hello. This is the voice of the internet. Since 1972, the European anthem has been an excerpt from the prelude to the ode to joy from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Known as the Rhapsody sur l'Europe, the anthem uses the universal language of music to express the European ideals of freedom, peace and solidarity. Various versions of the anthem have been recorded, from orchestral, to pipe organ, electric guitar and big band. Modern versions of the theme include these hip-hop and trance versions. Thank you. So tell me your thoughts on NATO. Do you think they're a good organisation? Do you think they, they they serve a good cause? Generally, yes. It's yeah. Not unequivocally, yes, but certainly generally, yes. But it's a very lopsided organisation. From what perspective? Well, from, from the perspective that the United States is by far the biggest contributor and largest member. And then... I suppose you have a couple of second tier members and then the rest of the members are those who support. Oh, and then when the Luxembourg army comes rolling over the hill and be like, yay, we're saved. <laughs> it's John. <laughs> it wouldn't even be a horde, would it? <laughs> we need to think back for that one. So, yeah, you, you, you sort of have the, the people who help others and the others who are there to be helped, which is basically those that border Russia are there to be helped. And those that help, are the, basically, as you get further west, you become more of a helper than a helpee, which is not a bad, which is not a bad thing. What do you think about NATO's future? Yeah, NATO's future is totally in the hands of the Americans. So, you know, geopolitically, if the Americans were to either pull out or, or or weaken it, it would certainly leave Britain at a disadvantaged position. Uh, whereas uh, the, those members of the European Union could sort of get what they want of having a European army, whereas NATO has always been a bit of a counterbalance for that. And certainly a lot of the more sceptical or more northern European countries 
were more interested in NATO as a coalition force than the European Union as a coalition force. I think we can say that currently the world is in a more peaceful state than it has been than over the past you know, several hundred years. Would, would you agree? Define peaceful. There may not be much hot war going on, but there's pretty much cold war everywhere. And so I prefer cold. If someone would say to me, you must indulge in war, mm. would you like hot or cold? <laughs> I think I'd go for the cold. Yeah. Tepid? I was just going to say, what about tepid war? war? Is that where you're just kicking each other in the shins, but it's really not worse than that. (laughs) Oh, by the way, you are deducted a point in your next one. What, me? Yep. How are you losing oh, points? <laughs> is, what have I said now? You got the N-word wrong. I mean... That was a pretty short thing, but we have that. discussed this so many times. Ah, uh, nuclear. When did I say... I don't even remember saying it. Well, that's your problem. You let your guard down. Did I really? Yes. Uh, well, I of course mean, you I'm did, because I bloody shouted at the radio. I, 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 I wouldn't <laughs> shout at the radio just randomly. I'm not that mad. When did we talk about it? I don't even remember it coming well, up it was, in the episode. Well, nuclear war was came up quite a lot, but uh, oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, what you'll do now is go through the episode and put the thing back in. All right. To prove me. I'll play it. I'll play it now. That's not the same as you know, wary of nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons. So, did you spot any other mistakes, Paul? Well, you you mentioned something about the United Nations asking NATO to go into Kosovo and around. Yes, there. was that I true? I did say that. Uh, on further <laughs> investigation, <laughs> I must admit that what actually happened was uh, NATO asked the United Nations, "Can we go in? Yeah. Um, and can you give us a vote to let us go in?" And the Russians and the Chinese said no. So they did went they in say anyway. no or did they abstain? They threatened to veto, so I think it just got dumped because it was okay. one of those. It's never going to work. So NATO went in without the UN asking them to do so, which is what I said last week. Sorry. I accept my reprimand on that matter. Yes, but I'm, I'm, yeah, unfortunately, the NATO troops didn't cover themselves in glory there, especially the Dutch. Where have they covered themselves in glory? What, NATO troops? Yeah, NATO troops. Well, one might argue they did end the Bosnian War. Okay. They managed the no-fly zone in Libya. Mm. Yeah. Which I guess was good. <laughs> Covered yourself I think the, in glory? The NATO do their best work by the, what doesn't happen. Yes, ah. I'll, I'll grant that, yes. So the Russians don't invade because NATO is standing there. So it's uh, the signs right. of their success are the wars that didn't occur and the invasions that didn't happen. I should use that excuse with my boss at work. Yeah, I mean, what, where I'm, doing I'm really such adding a great value job. is where I'm not doing anything at all. <laughs> So, wow. <laughs> My next appraisal, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> 
So you, I also have a little bit of extra information for you, Ryan. Okay, great. You asked a question about the signing of the treaty itself and whether it all happened at the same time. Yeah. And I said probably, but was a bit vague about it. Well, you said that there was probably some theatre to it. And, but, and yeah. there was indeed. So they, it took place in Washington at a mahogany table and it took place in front of 1,500 Right. Which is fairly... I'd have thought it would be a room of half a dozen people. I didn't realise it was quite that theatrical. Mm. Uh, and the they all were there at the same time and they all signed. And interestingly, the article I read was very clear on the matter that they all used their own pen. Oh, they did? Now, I'm not clear on whether that means everyone separately had a pen or whether they personally brought their own pen. Just said, this is mine. Whether there was some sort of merchandised NATO pen that was given to everybody. I, I I'm not sure they which. Got, they, they got given a pen. <laughs> Little embossed they NATO. They didn't bring a and someone else was like... I signed the North Atlantic Treaty and all I got was this lousy pen. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Americans are usually very good at those sort of things by having sort of gold pens made up, haven't they, for all of the... I think if it was done in this country, they'd be given a bic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And quite right. Cost effective. Commensurate with the country's economy. Yes. <laughs> so, Peter, anything else that yes. you want to share with us? Anything yeah. new? So I had some ec- ecology material that I didn't use because it was just a distraction from the main thing we were talking well, about. Well, I'm afraid yeah. I can't give you points after the event. I understand, but I want to share because I've done the work now. (laughs) Um, I was reading the environmental impact assessment of uh, one of the UK's exercises. Okay. And there's a bunch of things they do to try and reduce and uh, minimise their impact on the environment. So there's a few things. One of them says, if marine mammals are observed within the zone for a sonar, so they're going to do a sonar ping, they can't do it for an hour. Just whales and seals. Well, marine mammals, it says, so I guess you could throw in any other marine mammal you can think of. Narwhals. Fish, they don't care. They're not worried about fish, I guess. Okay. (laughs) There's, uh, for the the simulation of, well, not simulation, the practice of landing craft, Mm -hmm. if if the people landing see a congregation of seabirds, they have to slow down and land slowly to not bother the birds. Fish are getting a raw deal out of all this. No one cares about fish. (laughs) And when they're practicing the mine so sea mine deactivation and discovery uh-huh. i guess there's different ways to do it because but uh, it says the mines will be lifted vertically from the seabed to limit disturbance caused by dragging of the mine during removal so i guess normally well, that's not a very good test of mine run mine removal then if it's not done the correct way well i think it's it is the correct way but it's not as you're driving along so it's um just to, I think it's it's interesting that they try to do these things to at least reduce the impact. And the impact can be very significant. So I also looked at some information about uh, some NATO bases um, mm-hmm. and also just American military bases. One of them was an ammunition plant in uh, Minnesota and they were decommissioning the camp, which you would think was a good thing. But they found that the, the ground was basically very contaminated by discarded fuel and other detergents and things they use in the camp right and just to give you an idea of how long this process of cleanup takes they did the uh contamination discovery in 1981 by 1988 seven years later they'd completed the assessment by 1993 they'd done the feasibility study oh goodness <laughs> you get the feeling their heart's not really in it well, yeah, you really get that that impression. And then there was another one called a place called the Jefferson Proving Ground in Indiana, like 100 square miles. It was a weapons testing facility. One and a half million rounds of unexploded ordnance scattered about the place. And they're, they talk about... Yeah, I guess just, you know, not everything fires every time. And if you're shooting day in, day out for decades... Right. It's just you're going to have around. a load of stuff lying around and there's bombs and shells as well. Uh, and it's so... It, they, it was they're the not thinking of turning it, it into a kindergarten, are they? No, uh, no, they're in fact talking about turning it into a, quote, national sacrifice zone. 
What does that mean? I think what? it means you just kind of rope it off and go, do not enter, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's just gone. Okay. So it kind of becomes like a nature reserve. I guess a weird kind of nature reserve for no some very in. hardy creatures that are willing to live amongst the ammunition. So yeah, they, the the impact of these activities, because there's loads of fuel and chemicals, and it's just horrific for the environment. So and cleaning mm. it up is going to be a huge, long and expensive business. What's the NATO budget? Do you know? Like annual? 258.9 million, military budget of 1.61 billion. Is that all? I think that sounds like a lot. So two and a half billion euros. That doesn't seem like a lot. I think it seems like a lot. If someone offered me that, I'd be like, yes, please. Well, yeah, because it's just you. But if you, if someone said, right, I need you to coordinate all of these different countries and all of these exercises and feed tens of thousands of troops and fly planes and store them all, and you'd probably be a bit tight on that budget. Ah, but the question is how much of that budget is is going to the flying and storming of planes because if the those things are provided by the national militaries mm. maybe that's not part of that budget at all this is just their coordination budget i wonder how much of that 2.5 billion is down for gold pens and disco nights it's mostly yeah, glitter balls don't come cheap these days gotta rent those halls <laughs> community center <laughs> well it, I, it took me ages to work out what she was singing because i said n-a-t-n-o is not nato but i believe the second n it was an and indeed it was it was yeah So um, I guess we're we're getting close to that time yeah, where dreaded uh, time. the dreaded time, the courtroom looms for you, Peter. But um, before we we take you to the stand, Judge Dursley, do you have any questions that uh, Peter can try and answer? Well, I think we need a list of the countries in NATO because did you notice that there's virtually every letter of the alphabet in there? No, I didn't notice that. No, I'll. Albania, Belgium, Bulgaria, Canada, Croatia, Czech Republic, Denmark, no Estonia, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, no, Iceland, Italy, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Montenegro, Netherlands, North Macedonia, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Turkey, United Kingdom, and the United States. Sorry, well, I wasn't listening. Can you just do that again? <laughs> <laughs> how, nope. many, how many times have you read that? Yes. <laughs> Uh, now doing it backwards with every other country. <laughs> now do the missing countries. The rest. The rest non, of the world. Non-NATO <laughs> countries. Okay. Algeria. <laughs> we don't have time. Right. Off to the verdict. To the courtroom. To the court Take room. him down. No. I'm an innocent man. Okay. So will the defendant please rise? Absolutely. Uh, silence in court. Sorry. Stop saying stuff. Stop it. <laughs> uh, Peter, in normal cases, you enter a plea of innocent or guilty in a court. But in this courtroom, I'll ask you to uh, enter your plea for a grade. Yes, I would like to plead for a B plus, please. I think I acknowledge that I didn't hit ecology smack on, but there were some gripping stories that really adapted once upon a time and was packed with nutritious and factual content. Well, we shall see what the judge deems right for you. Judge Dursley, let us start with factual content. Well, I think Pete's right with factual content. I'll give him a B plus for that. Because the NATO, the NATO stuff was interesting and people need to know that sort of thing. 
Very good. Well, well done, Peter. And uh, the once upon a time was a nice thing to put the exercises in. I like that. Excellent. Solid. Very good, Your Honour. Um, may I ask for your grading for entertainment value? Entertainment value. I think it'll have to be lower. I'll give that a C plus. A C plus for you, Peter. Dursley Factor. Yes, I like the Abel Archer thing because that is a fac- that's a fascinating story. I will give it for the D Factor. I'll give it a B minus. B minus, Pete. Thoughts on that? I feel um, I feel like totally accepting of that. Okay, right. Well, that's it. Those are those are the subgrades. We move forward with the verdict. Um, so, Your Honour, may I ask, have you reached a verdict? Yes, I have. In which case, I would ask most respectfully, Your Honour, for a ruling. B minus. B minus. I was shooting for more, but I'm totally happy with that. Okay, very good. Well done, Peter. I think a B minus is a very respectable grade. I do too. I'm very pleased with that, actually. Well, yeah, you you give your eye teeth for that. Okay, so that's it for NATO. We put them to bed and we uh, cast our eyes forward to the next episode, which is Mountain in Ireland during 1800 to 1916. Now, the first two were perfect, weren't they? But then you had mountains that scuppered it. Scuppered by a mountain. Scuppered by a mountain, yeah. Don't forget, quite often the difficult ones get the higher grades because expectations are lower. Oh, interesting. Ah. Okay. However, Ireland is a land of many, many tales and lots of stories, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to hear something very interesting. Yeah, no, um, yeah, check back in. There's going to be an interesting episode in a week's time. Okay, so that's it for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on this one or on the actual full episode, or just even just say hello, you can do that by reaching out to us on social media through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you, and you never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Um, one way to definitely do that is to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, your recommendations really help bring the show to a wider audience. Yep. And if you're on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or any of those things, you can find us at HHE Podcast. And if you subscribe to those, you're going to get an alert every time we post one of our little one-minute animated HHE Bites. Uh, and in the meantime, if you can't get enough of the show, you can check out our back catalogue of episodes, uh, which you can find in uh, your podcast app or on YouTube or on our website, hhepodcast.com. All right. So a huge thank you to uh, the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... History Happened Everywhere. The Verdict. So I want to play a game. Um, This is the one-word story game where we go round 
between the three of us, and we all got to say one word to tell a story. All right. So, for example, I would say once. Upon. And then, Paul, you would say... Melon. <laughs> once upon melon. melon. This is a sort of Dali-esque story. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's go with it. All right, so let's... let's I think... I think he's kind of got the idea. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see what story we can tell. Okay. All right. Once upon melon mountain. Oh, you know, it's my go. I know. I was jumping in. I had an idea. You can't just <laughs> pick your go. Right, we're going to start again. Once upon melon, there was screaming and melons. <laughs> Melancholy. Melon. This has just become free association, hasn't it? <laughs> Somewhere yeah. out there, there's a psychologist going, oh my lord. <laughs> All right, let's, let's start a new story because that wasn't going anywhere. Okay. All right. Toby enjoyed melons. I'm <laughs> <laughs> for our older listeners there. <laughs> uh, now we get That's valid. We have to go on. So we'll do that one again. <laughs> okay. Sally enjoyed. You say melon, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> Aubergine. Which rarely becomes her. <laughs> this is the worst story ever. I preferred the melon story at this rate. <laughs> Come on, we've got to tell a fun story. This is a, supposed to be a fun storytelling game. <laughs> telling <laughs> melon and aubergine stories. <laughs> it's a shopping list at this point. <laughs> okay, all right, one more go. All right, Pete, you start. Okay. Algernon. Shandy. <laughs> Please. Barman. <laughs> Line one of the script was a great success. Oh, I don't. Let's, I don't think this is let's, working. Let's never play this game again. <laughs> oh, dear. You guys are the worst. That's <laughs> on the back burner for now. <laughs> okay, one more go. Come on, we can do it. All, All right. right. As, quick, as quick as you can. No thinking. Just right. first, first, first word. All right. Um, I'll start. Dynamite. Was. Always. Explosive. Thought. Janet. The. Demolition. Goddess. The verdict. I wish I'd never said it in that stupid way right at the start. <laughs>